Welcome to Veterans State of Mind, guys. I am your host, Garen Jones. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. Thank you for bearing with me. I haven't been putting out any podcasts recently. Um, there's a really good reason behind that. Um, because I've been getting drunk a lot. I'm in fucking, uh, I'm, in, uh, I'm in LA. I've been bouncing around. I've been in Vegas. I've been in Austin. I know you guys want me to live my life. Um, so, yeah, sorry about that. We had a bit of a, call it technical difficulties. The technical bit being that um, I've just been, way, well, not behind on work, but work comes first, podcast comes second. And while I've been in California, then, um, yeah, other stuff has come first too. But we are, we are still rolling. We have uh, multiple guests coming on. We've got a, we're starting to build up a nice little a cache of guests for you guys to get your teeth into over the next few weeks. Um, just want to thank you, yeah, keep listening for, for keeping on listening and for bringing your friends. The podcast is growing despite my best efforts to sabotage it so um thank you for that appreciate you bringing your friends along every time you make a post every time you leave a review um every time you tell your fucking cats and your dogs and your parents um i really appreciate it i've been meeting some people in bars around here so that actually yeah there we go i can legitimize um i can legitimize my going to bars now because i have been meeting especially around camp pendleton a lot of your marines uh if you guys are listening right now it was a pleasure meeting you. Thanks for joining in. And um, I know you're going to enjoy today's guest because he is a legend from the United States Marine Corps. Uh, he's a legend to me. First found out about this guy in 2003 when I read the excellent book Generation Kill um, by Evan Wright. And um, this guy was someone, he was one of those characters in the book that jumped out to me. I hadn't been, hadn't been uh, on any combat deployments myself. And so, you know, you look for your heroes and he's one of mine. And um, he then went on to play himself in the HBO uh, miniseries of the same name. HBO miniseries Generation Kill, one of the best depictions of soldiers, I think, um, especially modern soldiers that I can attest to. If you haven't watched it, go check it out either before or after you listen to this podcast. Um, the man I'm talking about, of course, is one of probably the most handsomest persons in the world. It was pretty um, pretty daunting, actually, to sit across from him for a couple of hours. I did start to really kind of get angry at my own DNA um, as we went through. He is looks like he's built from granite, carved by Apollo himself. Um, but anyway, <laughs> enough of that shit. It is the one, the only, the legendary Mr. Rudy Reyes. Yeah, they go fast, good times to come and go Survive the highs and lows, just take a step by step I guess, yeah, I suppose Good times to come and go Survive the highs and lows, just take a step by step I guess, yeah, I suppose He made me the first honorary Mexican-American Swede Mexican-American Swede yeah, ever <laughs> since Generation Kill Ever since I was training and working with them there um, And, you know, they all serve in the Army there mm -hmm. or And in the Marine Corps um, Alex was a Marine, a Swedish Marine So he took our boot camp infantry skills and recon skills really serious. We were in training for like six weeks and I was crushing these guys. I'd never been training actors before. So I thought, I mean, I only knew how to train Marines. Yeah. Hang on, are we, are we rolling now? Great, let's just oh, keep rocking. rolling. Let's just yeah. keep rolling. No, just keep yeah. going. Just keep going with the story. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So yeah, I was training them and, uh, and I was still quite fast of, of a runner, still very fit. Uh, so I pushed them to the brink every day and we had some, a lot of studs, a lot of athletes, um, Kellen Lutz, a lot of tough guys, but on that run, that three mile run, three mile sprint, you know, I was the rabbit and my buddy Eric Cocker said, so who's going to beat the rabbit? 
you know, in class. Mm -hmm. We have classroom, we have uniform inspections every freaking morning to include weapon systems. I mean, full meal deal. Mm -hmm. And then classroom, and, we're, and then we go out into the field, do PRAC app. This is what we did. And, and um, uniform inspections after PT at, at the crack of dawn in the field. Um, and uh, who's gonna beat the rabbit? And of course, Skarsgård's tall. But he didn't say anything. And some other studs like, yeah, I can beat this freaking muscle head. I don't know I'm a runner. So I crush a sub 18-minute three-mile. And the first person behind me was Alex. Right. And I knew then he had grit. And I'm very happy for his success. Yeah, awesome, so ever bro. since, ever since, you know, he's doing everything now. I mean, dang, he's in every dang great miniseries. And he's doing feature films. And has always maintained his humility. And that's how I met my director, Henry Alex Rubin, when I did Semper Fi. I met him through, through Alex years ago. Um, I met, uh, met a lot of great people through his family because they keep it, like I was talking about Eric Thomas earlier, earlier they keep their, their strength and connection to source and family aligned. And I believe that's the secret of their success, the yeah. Skarsgårds. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with anything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> you but, know, we've had to find yeah. it ourselves, huh? Yeah, when we, we, when we, we were out we of have. alignment, we struggled. Yeah, we have. And um, we're going to come back into that. I want to just jump back to, because there's going to be, we got some young whippersnappers oh, who sure. listen to podcasts who, believe it or not, would not have been alive at the time of... Uh, Isn't e that even, even even the f even the HBO show, some of these guys Much listening less our would deployments. not. Be. Well, Much yeah, they definitely weren't around for those, which is which is nuts because it does seem like two minutes ago. Yes, it right? does. Yes, it does. Um, it always but, seems like last year, doesn't it? But just give someone a just give someone a little a brief like sure. Rudy Race in 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 thirty seconds. Your back the background, sure. and and then we'll go because I want to talk because you like your childhood was uh, interesting to see sure. the least too. So. Just um, you served with the uh, Force Recon. I was yeah, first Recon Battalion, first yeah. Recon Company, and then Battalion. And you were a grunt before that, right? Grunt before that, not for too long. I was mm -hmm. fortunate enough; I uh, was ahead of my class, both in boot camp and school of infantry, and then went on to auxiliary duties on Camp Guard and got an opportunity mm -hmm. to try out for Recon, and I freaking made mm -hmm. it to then go to school. Remember, nothing's guaranteed. Mm -hmm. We had no recycle program either. Back then, I saw many good sergeants and corporals going through training in school, break their legs or get injured, and then uh, there was no recycle program and no money, so uh, in not so many words, pack your purse, fuck you, hit mm -hmm. the road, kid, back yeah. to the grunts, and, 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 and we probably lost some good guys because of that, but I was blessed enough to not be injured so bad that I couldn't continue mm -hmm. forward at Amphibious Reconnaissance School in, in Virginia, Virginia Beach and AP Hill. It doesn't even exist anymore. It was so freaking hard. I had no experience. It was just, yeah. it was just hard. And so you say you had no experience. experience a hardship though, right? Because yes. you can't, you like just, um, yes, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll let you just tell it in your own words, bro. If you would just tell us about the, I think that's the a good coming point. of age of Rudy Wraith. I think that's a really good point. I, I, my bank account of suffering definitely had a lot invested. <laughs> um, I'm a, uh, First of all, made in America. Only in America could a kid like me come up like this. But I came from a broken home in poverty. Uh, my biological father never m cared to even see me. And he was a Marine, two tours, came from a wealthy family. Uh, strung out on heroin, died when I was fighting in Afghanistan in, one in 01. Never even met him. I went looking for him when I became successful and I found he was dead. Um, but I have a wonderful aunt and a wonderful sister that I'm very close to, the Delayatas. But my my father gave me his name, Rudy Reyes Sr., Marine Corps as well, Grant as well, Vietnam as well. 
and then law enforcement. And he was probably going through so much as well. Or he was going through all of the things that we would go through in mm. our time with the depression, PTSD, alcoholism, and you think violence. Caused by Vietnam. Oh, of course it had yeah. to have been. Would I mean? Yeah, only makes sense. And now imagine too in our day, yeah. how much training and preparation we had. In the in the Vietnam days, I think my dad did three months of boot camp, advanced infantry skills. Boom, you're in theater. Yeah, that's it. Uh, amazing. Um, but I loved him so much and he taught me some great values until I was three years old and then my family broke apart and I would later find him uh, as an adult when I was doing martial arts and God, I love him so much. He's passed, he's dead too and I, I think he's an angel that looks out for me. My mother, um, also from the border of Texas and Mexico, um, the po poverty there then, you'll, you'll see even the psychological and emotional poverty there now. Mm -hmm. I think that's why the drug problem is so extreme there. Sure. Uh, it's right on the border, Reynosa and, and Matamoros. Uh, we're from the Rio Grande Valley, McAllen, Far, Edinburgh. Uh, mother just knew old world uh, Mexican ways. Take care of a man, make sure he's fed, make sure he's okay in the bedroom, make him first, and that's what you do to survive. Well, she was hooking up with the wrong guys, and she mm. got strung out on drugs too. So myself and my two little brothers were sent to the winds here, there, wherever, I end up in the Omaha Home for Boys, grow up in the Omaha Home for Boys and learn work ethic, strength. I become a wrestler, learn to lift weights and be an athlete. And that everything, all privileges come from effort. Right. I couldn't have any privileges unless my grades were good and I was not fighting in school. And I did fight at first. I was incredibly depressed and angry. You can imagine having such a tough, tough childhood and then, and then thrown in... In one uh, um, combat zone, into and then another, and then another. There was so much physical abuse, there was sexual abuse. There was, I was very, very sick. I got hepatitis from living in human excrement and garbage. Hmm. I had hepatitis at eleven now, years that old. That was at the school, or the uh, in different flop houses okay. that I found myself and my two little brothers in. I mean, we were living on mustard sandwiches with old stale bread, and. Uh, and then that's when I started drawing pictures and portraits for nickels, dimes, quarters, so I could buy us food at the convenience store. Um, it was immense. I got to the boys' home. For I mean, of course, you got to fight first, right, for to establish mm -hmm. yourself. But with that aggression, focused into sports, I got privileges. I got glory. I was undefeated as a wrestler in eighth grade. I got medicine. I got my teeth fixed. Got a haircut, pride, church clothes. And from what I learned there, I later when I was out of the boys' home, emancipated my little brothers, Michael and Caesar, they were in the Omaha home for boys as well. And I brought us to Kansas City and we worked uh, bussing tables and washing dishes. And, and I had a little apartment in the really rough hood there because that's all I could afford. And I kept us in the YMCA in between work. And that's where we found our martial art teacher doing Shaolin Kung Fu. That led me into the, at, the, at the YMCA. At the YMCA, and that so led me. I just me want to explain for the British yes. listeners. Listeners, so, so it's kind of like would you say it's like a it's like a, an affordable gym and a plus yes. housing. Yes, YMCA is well, uh, um, the original. What's it called? Young Men's Christian Association. Mm -hmm. So it's a gym, um, community center. Uh, they have uh, barracks as well. 
uh, and it's and and the pay is on a sliding scale depending on your income, right. and uh, it was a lifesaver. Uh, our discipline was a lifesaver. Our martial arts, uh, John Reeder and Shaolin Kung Fu, and then Chun Man Sit, Hong Kong, lifesavers because they gave us a pointed direction and discipline. And it was really from the ethos of doing martial arts and then competing. And I was a competitor because I knew it was the truth, not because I enjoyed beating people up. I never did. I was just not, I guess maybe because the cruelty of my own childhood, the idea of being cruel was just so hard for me to stomach. However, I knew that strength is the only way. So what's it? Okay, let's, this is interesting, boy, because we've both seen people who have suffered cruelty as a kid who then go on to inflict, you know, they go on yes. to inflict it. You know, like a lot of yes. a lot of people involved in child abuse for themselves abused as children, yes, and then they go point. and they go and put it on. What is it inside you, or what is it that somebody else instilled in you that you think made the difference between you not, you know, you going the opposite way, and because you'd suffered cruelty, you didn't want to put it on anybody else? You know, I believe. Some of it was innate. I always loved animals since I was really small. I was always attracted to the bunnies, and I had, we had a goat in the backyard. Little, and when he was a little billy goat, I'd play with him all the time. Um, I was fascinated by nature, even very, very small. When I first learned to read at five years old, I read books about birds and nature. And having my little brothers were very close in age, only a year and a few months apart, having these beautiful young uh, beings that I'm raising and taking care of and playing with, it just uh, gave me an emotional depth and, and a compassion early on. And then my father, Rudy Reyes Sr., would take me to see the Bruce Lee films and he turned me on to comic books. I learned about Spider-Man and with great power comes great responsibility. Mm -hmm. My dad taught me about um, my fortune is my brother's fortune and that we share and share alike and that greed is the ugliest thing a person can uh, um, can enact, and and uh, and, and it's the um, it is the antithesis of being brave is greed. So he gave me these ethics reinforced by comic books and adventure mm -hmm. movies. Then mm -hmm. I saw Rocky. I saw Rocky at five. Then I saw Star Wars at five. Good versus evil, and we must fight for the good. I think those initial imprints. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when my life started getting really hard, I was around seven years old. I think those three years, two, three years of great foundations, um, it just sunk so deeply in. And maybe, a, and obviously a higher power was giving me the strength to stay the course. When I look back, when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, I, was ha I had a mental breakdown. Of course, we didn't have, I mean, there was no therapist or anything. And if you're poor, the damn sure was no mm -hmm. therapist. Nobody talked about anything back then anyway. It was 1984, yeah. 83, yeah. 82. Um, there was a, a big boy tried to sexually abuse me in the boys' home. And uh, I fought back. And then I went to the administration. And they just swept everything. Nobody was talking about mm -hmm. anything back then. Um, it must have been a higher power, the grace of God, that gave me the strength to somehow, like we say in the Marine Corps, you might say it in the British Army too, um, you take a full 30-inch step. Like when you're marching, mm -hmm. take a full 30-inch step. I just continued to take a full 30-inch step in life through my childhood and then through my teens and then through, through my, uh, my, my um, time as a young man and then in the Marine Corps, full 30-inch step. And that uh, led me to recon and 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 I'm blessed. I was... Was trained and, and outfitted by the best men in the world. Uh, I became a scout sniper, combat diver, 
uh, a para as well, being in the mountains, doing mountain warfare and desert warfare, being in the field, doing amphibious work. It, it was my favorite part of the Marine Corps. Favorite part of recon was the field. It yeah. was beauty. We well, saw, you shouldn't we, be in recon if you don't want to be in the field. Mm, right? You're right. <laughs> you know? And so I found that yeah. everybody was the yeah. same like yeah. that. And you know what was so ro- wild, Geron? The All my brothers, we came from <clears throat> some of sometimes extremely different backgrounds. Mm. But there was an ethics and a hunger and a competitiveness yeah. and a desire to push beyond limits that everyone had. And that became the best family well, this is, that I'd ever experienced. And this is the really interesting thing, isn't it? Because it's not like... Because uh, if it was a case of just, say, conditioning yeah. that makes you want to become a soldier or a Marine, yes. then everybody would be from the same background because that's what we'd have all we'd have pro football players pro uh, basketball Mm -hmm. players uh mma fighters we'd have all Mm -hmm. those cats how come they're not yeah so so it's more than that so do so because i mean someone would be dead right to say that a lot of the things in your childhood would have definitely kind of contributed to what you wanted to be in it yes that that family and that warrior mm -hmm. cast that, that you were safe in exactly but do you think there's something innate in you that was that was regardless of where you'd have grown up or how you'd have grown up, that you'd have wanted to end up in something like Force Recon? I think, uh, well, brother, once I saw First Blood, why as <laughs> kids, you remember as kids, yeah. we were attracted to combat. Some some kids. Uh, I yeah. Know, because the thing I would say is I like, was. Although, I was for some reason. Well, I just knew that it was the standard. Everyone plays soldiers, right? I did. Everyone does, okay. but... But then it's like at some point everybody else stops playing. I but guess. then you want to carry. But you want to. Yeah, I guess on. we never stop. Yeah, brother. and it, and it's um it's an interesting one because I I kind of look at it again. I just kind of take well I think it's a bit of a common sense approach to it. I yes. think if you've got um different kind of people are born with different skill sets to yes. you know so that overall as a species you have yes. all these different people filling in different roles. It makes sense to me that a certain amount of the species is going to be born with yes. a desire to to soldier be a warrior you know whatever you want to call it yes well you find in how many cultures every culture every single culture primitive and Mm -hmm. modern Mm -hmm. uh it it is uh, there's an innate uh dna component there must be i think so uh i've witnessed Mm -hmm. it you know there's some some cats that were just way too smart and way too talented but they possessed the gene Mm -hmm. and they went yeah yeah am i right yeah because otherwise why would you have because you know Someone could make a logical argument, say, hey, this guy, this guy's from, uh, he's from a bad neighborhood in LA. He didn't have any other choice. He wasn't good enough to make it in sports, so he joined the Marines. You can see that. But then it's like, okay, well, then how do you account for the graduate who had great offers but chose to go and be a grunt? For sure, exactly. And we've seen that time and time and again. Um, Yes, uh, it takes something special Mm -hmm. to want to go uh, to the line. Yeah. beyond the phalanx yeah because that's yeah. what we chose to yeah. do um uh the audience out there that doesn't know much about the armed forces the kind of combat and the kind of operations that that men like us do and then some women too are at the very front and we witness and know man so many of us just die in training um, 23 of my bros died my first year at the unit. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, in training. Mm-hmm. And um, we know that we are facing, and we can face dismemberment. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. burning alive, yeah. blown Fate into freaking death. You yeah. know, just rough stuff. Yeah. Still, we go. Yeah, and we hold. Willingly. It. Yeah, and you get pissed when you don't when when you're not allowed to go. Yes, yes, yes. Right, and it's never mm-hmm. over. Yeah. There's something in us that. Uh, 
and some of us are genuinely good for this. There's not, uh, I witnessed very few psychopaths. Hmm. Now, over time, I witnessed a few become psychopaths. Right. I think it's too much. I think, as uh, uh, you know, you can reflect too. I did three tours, and the last one in Fallujah and Ramadi was on the borderline. Yet, it was the, I was a great team leader and a great team, amazing unit, working with triple letter agencies and joint stuff. Yet, it was the funnest, most glorious, most engaging war fighting I'd ever done. And I'd already done some great war fighting mm -hmm. before. However, that brink, I could see it. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, even more importantly, I couldn't see it. Right. I was there. So when I came home, I was just so different. And uh, um, that's the kind of thing we do now. It takes nothing away from the servicemen and women who are in the bases and doing all this other stuff. Because guess what? My first... First two weeks in Fallujah, our compound was hit with rockets and mortars, killed a surgeon that was going to be going home in two days, killed a bunch of brothers and sisters. Uh, everyone, when they go overseas, they are fucking heroes to me. They are heroes to me. I love also now with what I'm doing with my Ocean Conservation in Force Blue. My team is international. You know, all of these warriors and, and commandos. I've got a, a British War Marine commando. I've got a, a British uh, SBS. Uh, I've got Australians and I've got um, pararescue, Green Berets, um, SEALs, recon Marines, uh, uh, CCT. We got everybody working together. And that's what's a little different now. It, look how we're close now as brothers in arms, uh, regardless of service branch. Or even nationality. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, what I see, I think when you develop a humanist kind of look to the world now, it's like, you know, you there's a tendency in the military, understandably, to make you make you feel like your unit is the big, biggest yes. and the baddest, and your country effective. is the biggest and the baddest. And, yeah, it's and effective. it needs to be there. It needs to be point. there at that point. Yeah, because otherwise, like, I don't want to go to fucking war, think I'm going to lose. Yes, <laughs> yes you got to believe in yourself yeah. and your men. And believe in your mission, yeah. but that, then, but then, as you grow past that, you start to realize, oh, you know, these pogs—they were important. Damn we strength. weren't getting food without pogs, bro. How about but, uh, we never we were never uh, concerned about where where our ammunition was coming from, yeah. or when we had close air support, or when we yeah. were inserted. Did we ever think about yeah. who's pumping the gas? Exactly, we someone pumped gas into that A ten. Someone loaded the ammunition. Yes, and where the yeah. money came to get the gas. Yeah. The G JPA ain't uh, cheap, and then you know the jet fuel and yeah. uh, and uh, helicopter fuel. I want to say it's like two or three thousand dollars a minute. Wham, wham, wham! And you've got stacked air out there. Yeah. I got drones. Think of all of the power, yeah. and we were blessed that we got to be in the front yeah. and and have some glory directly. But we had a nation of millions, and and trillions of dollars created by our countries over millennia and, and uh uh and over centuries to be where we're at yeah. and now there's no ego involved and I, I i salute any brother or sister who served their country i do too but i still like to make jokes about them. oh yeah yeah <laughs> well you know what's funny sometimes the marine corps is so crazy 
oftentimes the pogues, because they're not in the field all the time, they are lifting all the time. They look freaking oh, yeah, awesome. They're, dude, they're big. I see them around. They're like, just case, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we're all starving and shit, and we're you know, living on freaking coffee, candies, and dip <laughs> out there in the freaking hide site, doing observations. You know what I'm saying. But dude, so that's what was so funny for me. I tell you what, I tell you what started to freak me out recently. Now when I see pictures of Vietnam or yes. even like in Iraq and yes. I see the pictures of the guys now, I'm like, oh my God, these guys are kids. Yes, I know. Like, we, we unfortunately, like I've hit the age now where I'm seeing them as kids. Yes. Um, but it's like people think, you know, people have this idea of like, you know, you got a fantastic physique for anyone that's listening to this on audio, not video. Um, and people think that's what soldiers look like in general, but it's, no. not, it's 150 pound kids. 150, <laughs> you know, I weigh 170 pounds my whole career um, because you're just running and swimming and in the field too much to gain too much weight. <laughs> and yet there's something to it as we know back then too, um, to be as efficient po as possible. It seems that all the physiques go to between 150, mm. 170 pounds, maybe 180 if you're a bigger guy, yeah. but it's middle-sized guys that have uh, a great level of endurance and strength and the bone structure. Yeah. Um, uh, and we don't have doctors taking care of us out there and massage therapists. And all we got is each other and, of course, rage for the enemy and great standard operating procedures. And yeah. somehow we accomplish miracles. I mean, that we're alive is a miracle. Yeah, I mean, dude, it is. And um, you mentioned about, you know, your dad with the three months of training and then getting thrown <laughs> straight in. I always say to people, I'm like, look, Doug, you have to understand that the armies that fought in Iraq and Afghanistan, the most professional armies that have Very ever existed, so. like there's never been a more professional Very army. Very much so. Um, as far as we know, in the universe. <laughs> yeah. Opu Boots, specialist bootmakers who have been in the business for over 40 years. I'm really happy to have my favorite bootmakers on as part of the podcast because I have been using them for 13, 13 years and with good bloody reason. And that reason is that the boots look alley and they're awesome. Uh, I've had a desert pair that lasted me three tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I've got a leather pair of their Warriors, uh, which are my hill walking pair. A uh, friend of the podcast, Dean Stott, he used Altbergs during uh, his Special Forces selection, which I would say is a pretty strong recommendation. Altberg make boots for men and women. They have different styles, um, so you guys can get the right weight and the right support for your ankles, the right color. Uh, really can't recommend them enough. They've got civilian and military styles, and you can check them all out by going to altberg.co.uk. A-L-T-B-E-R-G.co.uk. This podcast is brought to you by... Camouflage. Camouflage spelt with a K. Camouflage is a veteran-owned surveillance and investigations company, a brand you can rely on for their professionalism, integrity, and quality of work at all levels. So what are the kind of things you'd use a surveillance and investigations company for? Hmm. Well, maybe someone is regularly stealing from your business or fly-tipping on your property. In this day and age of internet dating, there's always the danger of getting catfished. Camouflage can help with that. They can also help with unlawful partners, the fucking slags, so that you can have the evidence for divorce and they can dig in all kinds of things on the ground or online. Uh, but obviously they've chosen not to look at my search history or we wouldn't be friends. Uh, camouflage, our listeners are supporters of the podcast. So I really love it if you guys can support them back because we are a family here, a very weird fucked up family. Um, so how can you help them if you and support them if you don't require surveillance investigations? Head over to camouflage.co.uk uh, because these guys are stockists of specialized surveillance, outdoor clothing and equipment and more uh, from the likes of Lawmate, Yukon, TRC Outdoors and Luminae Designs. 
Uh, they also have a service for bespoke handmade ghillie suits, which is pretty alley, um, and vehicle tracking systems. I think of them as like Q and James Bond. You go to their website, get a tough brush that has a flamethrower in the handle, and uh, maybe pick up a nice jacket. Right, so go check them out on Instagram at Camouflage Limited, Camouflage spelled with a K, and at camouflage.co.uk. This podcast is also brought to you by none other than the Royal British Legion. What do you think about when you think about the Royal British Legion? Maybe you think about blazers. Maybe you think about a warm pint of bitter. Well, if that's your thing, awesome. But the Royal British Legion are so much more than that. Um, they really are up to speed, up to the whatever century we're in now. 25th? Uh, I don't know. And if you're a veteran and you need help with finances, uh, your mental health, your physical health, burying a body in the woods or whatever, contact the Royal British Legion. Uh, tell them I sent you, uh, especially with the body. Uh, their contact details are in the episode summary and just, yeah, go to rbl.org. This podcast is made possible in part thanks to Zulu Alpha Strap Company, Bombers Watch Straps for Ali Blokes. It's a veteran-owned company, but you don't need to be a veteran to have a cool fucking watch strap to go with your timepiece. Uh, you might have spent a lot of money on it, on your watch, that is, so protect it. And even if you've got a shit watch, get one of these and then you won't look like such a cheap fucker. Uh, you can see these watch, watches on the wrists of frontline operators around the globe. Where can you do that? At Zulu Alpha Straps. Go over there, take a look at some kinky pictures. Then maybe even order yourself a strap, you dirty bitch. <laughs> it, it's never happened. And the, and, you know, just, just the fact that, you know, because here's the thing, dude, I'm sure you might be the same. When I first joined in 2000, we didn't have tourniquets. Tourniquets didn't exist. Sure. Well, I mean, they existed, but we didn't but have them. But they, they weren't it the was field piece, expedient ones. Yeah, the ones the medic had was a piece of rubber with a hook, with like an S-hook on each end. We used bungee cords. Yeah. I, I had extra right. bungee cords on the Vic. Uh, we had them in our freaking ash packs and our uh, medic kit because we could also use bungee cords to tie down gear on the freaking vehicles. Yeah. And, of course, wrap it the fuck around your arm or your freaking leg, right? But it's crazy, though, isn't it? I know. Day? But you know what? Like, that kind of blows my mind, though, that in between, because in Vietnam, most of the casualties died because of blood loss. Sure. That, so that kind of freaks, like, freaks me out that in that... 30 years in between, nobody developed a cat tourniquet. Sure. But it's, uh, you know. Not a, you know what? In, maybe psychologically, spiritually, the emotional uh, and, the, and the soul of my country was so devastated yeah. after Vietnam. I'm, I'm, I watch history things uh, a lot and I read a lot. And I, I listen to Dan Carlin. Uh, oh, hardcore great. history isn't he wonderful wow Dan Carlin hardcore history oh yes highly recommend yeah. I'm listening to Supernova of the East yeah. about Japan's yeah. rise from a feudal state to a world power in 70 freaking years yeah. um, we were uh, and I'm reading now about Germans politics and policies Germany mm -hmm. they're still talking about that like the Germans are still talking about and blaming themselves for World War II Oh, uh, yeah, they, they have it enshrined in law that they, they have this guilt is basically I don't believe in that. Well, they weren't, I don't most believe of them in it. Most it's of them weren't alive. They weren't alive. Yeah, they, and, it was, <laughs> and you know what? Every single freaking conquesting country has done some shit. Yeah. Do we want to talk about the U.S. and our complete genocide of the Native Americans? Mm -hmm. And, of course, we had slaves like everybody else. Do we want yeah. to talk about the Mongolians or the Chinese? Do we want to talk even since Vietnam, Pol Pot and Cambodia? Do we want to talk about Congo and, um, and Nigeria? Do we want to talk about Rwanda? Uh, do we want to talk about South Africa? Do we want to talk about anywhere in the Middle East? So it's, it's not a race issue. It is a human issue. It's not a country issue. It's a human issue. But uh, that 
Self-effacement is one thing to look at the truth. Um, to f- flagellate, like beat yourself. Yes. Um, that does nothing for n- anyone. And it, and it, and it, uh, it, it occludes the window to truth. And it's very, very interesting. Um, that's why probably we did not, mm. as a U.S. military after Vietnam, really progress. Our special operations did. Yeah. They realized we needed to do something s- smaller, more, more tactical, surreptitious, quiet, and fund the living shit out of them. <laughs> yeah. But then, sure enough, that only gets you so far. Special operations did not win, or didn't. Special operations did not win the big battles in Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Iraq. I did a lot of heavy shit. I prepped the battlefield. I did raids. I freaking did snatch and grabs, countless sniper missions, close air support, all that. But without the fucking grunts, mm-hmm. without the fucking grunts, there would be no Ramadi. There would be no uh, um, Echo and Ramadi. There would be no yeah. fucking Scott Hughesing and his men. Yeah. There would not be a uh, the Battle of Fallujah, which we fucking wrecked house without the grunts. Yeah. You know, that's the problem, dude, because people see on the news, you know, it's the high profile. Sure. A lot of these missions as well, these missions have come because of there might be a piece of information that a, a guy at Vehicle Checkpoint picked up. Totally, the VCPs, absolutely. All these, little, all these little pizza, they just come, they come together, they come together. And then somebody goes in and does the, the high profile mission. But, you know, and, and again, you can't set you can't set the, the terms in, on, in the battle space without those kind of boots on the ground. And that's Absolutely. always the problem when people are like we have it in the British Army now. The British Army is always getting downsized, downsized, downsized. And then a war happens and all of a sudden they realize, oh, actually, it doesn't matter how many raids you do if you can't hold a fucking... Absolutely. Do you remember playing Risk when we were little kids? I love Risk Risk now. We got to get together and get a little drinks. Let's get the fellas together. Let's get the fellas together (laughs) and the freaking... And the ladies too. And let's do Ah, it. And you remember the the purpose... Remember when you make your big push and attack to take over the continent Mm -hmm. so you can get your reinforcements? If you don't leave at least three... I would recommend three Mm -hmm. behind, three armies... Mm-hmm. Then on the counterattack, if your enemies just wipe through you. Yeah. So you have to be methodical and move slowly and you have to take ground and then hold ground. Yeah. Well, yeah, the reserves is a huge part in life. Like you can well take said. that as a, you well know, said. you can take that. And that's what I wanted to come back to is your point, dude, about the, um, your, your point about a country self-flagellation and guilt. That works just as well for human beings on an individual level. It is. Um, because you and I have both been through our self-flagellation phases. Yes, we have. For anybody listening that doesn't know, that doesn't mean masturbation or anything like that. It's it beating means yourself <laughs> up for things that happened or that you, you were... Actually, we probably beat ourselves up for a lot of things that were not our freaking fault. Oh, 100%. I think that, <laughs> that's the core. But, and, and look, that's part of being a high achiever and a high performer is well, that sir. you... Critical. Is a, yeah, critical. But then there's there's a line where criticism becomes detrimental to you, yes, um, you know, to to your work. But uh, dude, let's just jump back in. Let's sure. jump back in. Give the uh, give these guys like uh, a talk through some of your your deployments. Sure. Um, so your first one was uh, out to Afghanistan. Yes, and uh, and you know we were on the ship, mm-hmm. my platoon, freaking second platoon with with uh, Captain Dill, uh, now Colonel, just retired, Marsak, all these guys, mm-hmm. my team leader AJ Hull. Um, Korean and black football player from, I want to say, Arkansas or Oklahoma, Arkansas, I believe. Uh, super high achiever. Looked like Roland Gift from Fine Young Cannibals, except a stud. And uh, I mean, anybody older out there will know what I'm talking about. And listen to country music. 
ranger, scout sniper, drill instructor before he came to recon. Right. I was in charge of this freaking senior seven, eight-year dude. Nice. And then, of course, he became, I mean, once he made it through recon school, then he, boom. Um, we had this rad platoon. It was a platoon of us, platoon of SEALs. We were on the ship when the towers were hit. And the freaking sirens were going. We got freaking secured to the birthing. Got freaking our top secret orders. Shit got real, real quick. I mean, zero to 100 real mm -hmm. quick. We went, drew all of our pyro and bang explosives. Uh, got our fills for our radios. And we did the furthest ship to shore uh, insertion all the way to... Jacobabad, Pakistan, to first do counter-recon, counter-sniper ops. You see this old photograph with my tricolor deserts and a, um, and a freaking Barrett 50 cal and all of, and a clue and, and these uh, optic systems. And uh, brother, those first photographs I'll show you from Af Afghanistan and Pakistan, we didn't, need, we didn't have body armor, war helmets. Yeah. We were recon uh, men yeah. uh, because we had such massive packs. Mm -hmm. and, and we traveled to uh, mountains, uh, I'd never driven a Humvee before till Afghanistan, <laughs> and I'm now driving it with uh, optics, with night vision, and almost drove us off a cliff countless times. Uh, it's Indian country; everybody's out there to kill you. We finally get to this mountain range, we dig it in, camouflage it, and then patrol up the mountain. And now, and three or four of us were scout snipers out of this team of five, and we did observations and sniper assets, and then and then uh, directed fires. I mean, it was just immense. And these four teams are great freaking men. And, and this is kind of what set into play the, the domino effect that would later become Marsoc. Because from my team, Platoon, we were the, the hottest kids in the Marine Corps. Now we come back after a year, year and a half later, and, short, and the grunts that were with us then that took Kandahar, mm. We took all those grunts and they became recumbering. Some of them are Green Berets. Some of them are Delta guys now. Legends. Mm. And uh, Iraq came on the horizon. Long before America knew about Iraq, we knew. So we were already training in Pendleton with full gas mask, um, mop suits, uh, full mop gear patrolling and, and then doing shooting packages. And then we uh, uh, went to Spain, rode to Spain and then into... Uh, Kuwait and and trained and did probing missions for three months before the breach and the invasion. We led the invasion by happenstance. We were supposed to take this bridge and remember this is a time of uh, nuclear, biological, chemical warfare. So every time artillery or mortars came in, we had to mop up. Mm. We're fighting in charcoal suits for three freaking weeks. Heat and then dysentery and then filth and the burning of steel, plastic people and then having to get water from the Euphrates, we were so far ahead of any units. We had to be sustained. We sustained ourselves. Um, the grunts were held up in Nazaria. My my uh, commander just had his birthday, Colonel Ferrando. said, hey, my, my, my recon men will take, take charge. And General Mattis, I saw this go down on the bridge. After some Hellfire missiles, Burned in, killed some enemy, and killed Marines. Mm -hmm. This is fucking combat, man. And it looked like Vietnam because this this uh, rain was coming in. Palm trees were everywhere mm -hmm. on the river. 
on the bridge. We're, uh, we saw, I saw some Marines there, and then I saw them gone. And then we're running and, and doing fire maneuvers. Some of the bad guys are, are trying to flank us. We're engaged, fighting. Then I see General Mattis walk up there to look at what's going on. And my commander goes up there, and the other commander, and boom, the other commander's relieved. Now we get the hook on the, we're in the middle of combat. And on the hook, it's time to fucking mount up and take this bridge. I'm seeing um, Amtrak's blown up. I'm seeing blood. I'm seeing pieces of, 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 of soldiers and Marines. Uh, Jessica Lynch's convoy was hit. Mm. They, uh, uh, one detachment of recon men went on that op to go rescue her. We chopped our way up the middle. It became famous. We chopped our way to Baghdad. Chris Kyle was in one corner of that freaking building. I was on the other. Mm. We, had our, we were freaking rocking and rolling in Baghdad. I went all the way up to, to, to Crit, I think. Um, yeah, all the way to Decrit, and then right by the Syrian border, chopped our way back. It became famous because for a few weeks we had a reporter that was writing notes. Now, the combat was so freaking heavy, he really didn't write much. He was just trying to survive. But afterwards, in between me going back to Fallujah and Ramadi, he uh, got a lot of notes from myself, Eric Cucker. Um, this is Evan Wright, isn't it? Uh, yes, Evan Wright, um, uh, Jeff Carrizales. Nathan Fick, Gunny Wynn. Uh, and from that, from these articles he did in Rolling Stone, The Killer Elite, which he got the name from me. The Killer Elite <laughs> is a film made by, um, or it, was, it had uh, Robert Duvall, uh, James Caan. Charles Bronson was going to be my guess. Yeah, sounds uh, like a Charles Bronson Yeah, movie. yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It, uh, was he in that one too? He might have been. He might have been. It was rad. Anyway, I told, uh, talked to him about Killer Elite, and it became a thing. Then he turned it into Generation Kill. Mm. It became a uh, t television series picked up by HBO, and they called me after I was rocking and rolling, doing the heaviest shit, hunter-killer missions, setting up in the cover of Darkness bridges with explosives, um, uh, snatch-and-grab missions. It, it, recon did freaking jump inserts and fib inserts helo uh, work you can't i mean the op tempo was immense rocking and rolling out of shark base um it was historic and epic i got when i got out of there i was not the same anymore i re-enlisted once but i chose not to re-enlist again because i thought i should do i should try to be a good husband and my wife was i was never there I was not prepared to do any. I was not well then. But then HBO called, and in a sense, it was a stay of execution. I could go back to war, right? Which was safer for me yeah. than dealing with my problems. So you, so you just, so you, um, you just got out of the Marines and went straight to HBO. Two years later. Two years later. Right? Two three years later, and, and I you was coaching in the middle. In middle of no, I ended up contracting afterwards. I was coaching mm -hmm. boxing and doing some mixed mm -hmm. martial art and and training jujitsu and kickboxing and and then and then I started drinking and street fighting and I was mm -hmm. a fucking wreck. But I looked great on the outside, but I was not. Mm -hmm. uh, and and then when HBO called, in a sense, I got better. Nice. Because now I'm doing warfare again. I'm teaching and training. I have a purpose. I'm needed. Uh, but I had not uh, truly, I, I hadn't even begun the healing process myself. After HBO, I did Apocalypse Man and I did some other well, uh, let's go back to Let's go back to the HBO thing because okay. this is really interesting. There's not many people that play themselves on a yeah, TV show. Wild? Especially <laughs> on a, when, the, when, the, when that show is about 
Because I mean, some people might do it on a co- like a comedian might play themselves okay. or something like that. But you're not me- you don't have many war fighters playing themselves. No, I think Audie Murphy probably was the only one, wasn't he? Yeah. The American uh, soldier, uh, highest decorated soldier yeah. of all time. Um, it is interesting, but you know what? At first, acting was really hard if you'd never done it before. Remember, it's a skill like anything else, mm-hmm. just like CQB, just like rock climbing and mountaineering, and just like swimming. It's a skill. I knew nothing. About what I was going to do. Oh, by the way, I'm going to go have some uh, drinks today with Jonah Lotan, who played my medic, Timmy Bryan. He was a, a para, a para in Golani Heights, and Mark Manchaka, who played uh, Gunny Wynn. He's on this amazing show right now called um, The Outsider. Uh, we're all getting together. The, all the Generation Kill Bros, the Gen Killers, we all hang every chance we can to this day. That's awesome. To this day, because of the love, the camaraderie. And the actors there took it so serious to portray real men, yeah. real people. And uh, it, was, it was beautiful. It also showed me that there is so much power out there in media with uh, affecting public opinion and, and also to teach. And that's why I stayed in it. I thought with this opportunity, no kid from the Omaha Home for Boys has ever had this opportunity. No uh, child from the border of Texas and Mexico has ever had this opportunity. No recon marine has ever had this opportunity. No Chinese Kung Fu uh, freaking Jingwo champion has had this opportunity. I'm the first. I'm not going to let it go. There must be a karmic and, and Buddha and God reason that I'm here. So that's why I stayed in it, but I was still not really prepared. Um, I did... Um, I turned down a lot more money at um, Discovery Channel to do a little show at History Channel because I was not aware of the business. I um, Discovery Channel offered me money to do nothing until they built the whole show. Right. I didn't know. I, I, I came from an ethic in a, in a world in which you take nothing mm-hmm. until you've earned it. Little did I know I had earned it because yeah. they, I didn't know. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, and then I was drinking... And then I got into hard drugs, mostly through being in L.A. and then in New York. This place will do it to you, bro. Yes, because I didn't have any real loved ones here, support structure. And I would say, the, um, speaking from my own L.A. drug experiences, a yes. lot of it is about the this that pursuit of high again. I believe uh, you're after right. Com- after combat. It's and especially like, when we're depressed, yeah. like when we are not connecting to anything. Yeah. And you know what? People out there don't understand when we're getting tore up. We're not getting high. We're getting normal. Yeah. <laughs> no, <it's> <laughs> <laughs> we're just getting normal. It's and they don't get it. And what do we end up doing, Gerard? Hanging with each other yeah. in, a, in a hotel room or an apartment. We're not out in town partying, chatting up the chicks and freaking at the clubs. We're together processing. And maybe there's something to that. We got to go through that for a while. Now I would say we can help guide our young brothers and sisters to the hotel room. <laughs> so, well, at least they're not. At least they don't go to s- yeah. the levels of self destruction yeah. that we. Well, do. That, that's the difference, dudes. Because that's like I think there's something to be said for sometimes those hotel rooms. I know. Pros- oh, I know. But, there's you know, been but, some healing. Yeah. Or there's there been, been at least some illumination. But there has been. But then when there's not, is the yeah. yourself in a hotel room alone for three days. Uh-huh, and then the pistol comes out. Yeah. And then the pistol's in the mouth. Well, I've said this all the time, dude, that I, I think one of the reasons um, that I'm glad that we don't have access to the guns in the UK that you do in America is because be I think the veterans who suicide. suicide. I, know I, I know I would have. I understand. 100%. And you know I had to get rid of my guns after yeah. I was uh, I had a pistol in my mouth after I lost my son. So hopeless. And 
and I felt a force just saying my work is not done. And then the next morning, I got rid of my weapons, my M4s and my pistol. And I just knew it was too tempting when I'm down. And I knew that I was not out of the forest yet. That dark forest, that black fucking forest, still, I was still in it. I could see the meadows and I could see the light. And I was patrolling, searching for that freaking light. But I was still in it and I knew that, that uh, in, in some harsh, harsh fall downs that it would be there for me and I would probably t take the opportunity because it hurts so bad to be depressed and it hurts so bad to feel like a failure. It hurts so bad to know that you had done extraordinary things in your life and now you can't even hold a job. I think that is the, it's that fall, isn't it? Rather than necessarily where you are exactly. Yeah. But it's like the, the thing of you are 18 years old the hero to somebody that everybody in the country looks up to people thank you for your service they want to shake your hand they want to buy you drinks yeah. and and you build a very high opinion of yourself yeah. not necessarily from ego but you know from maybe you, survival you know, bro yeah, maybe yeah. survival yeah. maybe that's all you got to hold on to that's sometimes that is all we had to hold on to. it is and i i um one of the ways <sighs> i've tried reframing this to people now i was talking to a guy the other day he's a an infantry guy and he was talking about the pain and stuff and i said like i said dude i said the thing is about the infantry is you joined up really when you join the infantry you you join with the idea that at some point you're going to sacrifice yourself yeah oh yeah we know we're facing like, death yeah. and more than likely we're not getting out of this thing alive yeah so i said to him i was like the way you need to look at this now is okay you might be in pain but you sucking up that pain is the sacrifice you need to make because otherwise you inflict that pain Isn't on that other people truth? or loved ones especially yeah. the people care about us the most and i did that and one day look in the mirror i didn't recognize myself and uh i had a mental breakdown and i just drank and did tons of freaking blow for about uh two weeks didn't eat didn't sleep and just cried my little brother caesar helped me through my little brother caesar had been through prison and he was one of the only people who knew what this felt like and he helped me through it and shortly after that I started to exercise again and and then this is after I was in the Veterans Village of San Diego I was in a freaking uh, mental institution treatment center and by the way I, I was never a drug addict I was just a chronic Rudy Reyes abuser and I would abuse mm -hmm. myself with fighting with alcohol with drugs with poor relationships with women I abused myself because I was so hurt I felt so small I Nietzsche said this brother in times of peace, a man of war will turn upon himself. And how many times have we seen that? That's fucking great. Isn't it the truth? And he said that after World War One. Because here's the thing, bro. Like, you've seen it when you've got your squad. When there's no war, your squad will fight other squads. Yep. Your platoon will fight other platoons. You know your company will fight other companies. Your battalion will yep. fight other battalions. Because yep. you have to have that. And I suppose when you don't have that, when you come out, and then the only person left... Because here's the other thing as well. In a way... We both were in a position where we would, you gotta, like, someone's fucking getting it. So yeah. almost, it's almost better. It's almost a sacrifice in a way that you take it out on you rather that's, than someone you else. You know what? That's, that's what I, that's a great point. I did that uh, for a long time. And still, there was this, I don't know if they call it the superego. I don't know what the, it's just like this higher power of survival instinct. Still, I made appearances. I was still training. And, and then I started contracting, which uh, got me back into my old world. Mm -hmm. Totally clean. 
no drugs, uh, alcohol. I started smoking, believe it or not, because I did a survival. Well, smoke, sh- smoking weed or smoking? No, no, I can't handle marijuana at all, yeah. at all, because it, it <laughs> do- no, it doles me. I think this whole fucking L.A. Yeah. and California and all these other fools that are fucking high from the day, from the moment they wake up till the evening, yeah. they're dull. Um, you cannot operate and connect um, when when you're doling yourself. Uh, I was with Sad Guru and Mike Tyson just recently. And Sad Guru says, the only way um, forward is with him. And have you read the human driving manual? Do you know how to, you know, if you've never driven a car, I would be wise for you to read the driving manual and get some training. Yeah. Why do we not do that with ourselves? Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I, I, I would smoke cigarettes because I was doing a survival show in Alaska, uh, Ultimate Survival Alaska. And I got down to about 2% body fat. Went to hypothermia Jesus Yes, because it sounded like I got a lot of body got, fat now. I was going to say, you're not exactly rocking much Yeah, and so now now I'm eating one squirrel every couple days. Mm. I'm hiking through the freaking wilderness and the glaciers at extreme as hell. And uh, somebody gave me a freaking, I think, dip first. And I took some tobacco. I was like, wow, I was fucking dead, bro. I was on my ass. I was fucking dying after three or four days. No chow. It hurt and one little deal was like, wow, this is fantastic. And then I tried a cigarette. Hey! Yeah. So uh, I started smoking cigarettes and still running like a banshee. I was leading the Kenyans in runs while I was doing counter-terror in Kenya uh, and PTing and mixed martial art for the whole... I, I ran that whole program every day. But again, like we talked about before, I was taking still pain out on myself. Um, after Caesar helped me through... And you know what? I had a beautiful little brother that I had the greatest relationship, the youngest, Michael. I turned into this fucking monster and he didn't recognize me anymore. I'm working on rebuilding our relationship now. Uh, I was on the streets after the Veterans Village of San Diego, after Caesar got me through Kansas City. And I end up in New York City walking the streets and I bump into Jim Ritteroff, my now my co-founder of Force Blue. And he asked, he, he worked with me on a television program before and he said, Rudy... He didn't say anything, but he could tell I was a shadow of who I used to be. I was very thin. I was hollow. And he asked me to come to Cayman Islands to go diving with him. Shit, I didn't have a job or money. I had nothing. Uh, he f- flew me out there. Our third co-founder, Keith Som, legend fucking uh, Coast Guard rescue swimmer. He gave me a place. They got me in that ocean again. First time I'd been combat, I mean, I was always combat diving, which is mm. very hardcore, stressful, and at night, now I'm seeing all the fish. I'm seeing all these beauty, beautiful things, and then I'm like, God, this is gorgeous. At the bar, a couple, you know, after a few days, and I'm working out, and I'm feeling so strong. Um, Jim says, well, all this is going away. The reefs are dying. It just snapped something in me. I thought about all my men that are dying, killing themselves, all the men that died fighting all my brothers that are fucking not with me now i thought about all the people caught in the middle um all the civilians gone i'm like i'm not gonna let this community die i gotta do something about this and and jim was like that's a freaking great idea my first idea is all right these ships are tearing up the freaking uh, they're making harbors and for these cruise liners and their anchors are dredging up these uh, the most amazing freaking flora and fauna of the ocean which is responsible for 
every uh, third breath you take, every third breath you take is from the coral reefs. I said, well, I'll, I can get some of my commandos together and we can get some mines and we can blow up these ships. <laughs> They're like, whoa, well, pop the brakes, dog. We can think about something else. And then Jim says, well, there's other things we can do. And, and Keith Som, who had been working on conservation for some time there in Cayman, uh, they started putting their heads together and, and we all three came together and, and, uh, and that's how Force Blue was born. And that's really when my life turned around. I went back into service. Uh, my four pillars, table legs, you know, that's why this table's strong. Physical fitness, which gives you mental balance. Um, number two, mother nature, being engaged in nature. Mm. Number three, community and brotherhood. And four, uh, a mission, a mission mm. you believe in. And that was four years ago. We were just at the Super Bowl. We're just... Uh, um, partnered with the NFL. We are the NFL's veteran nonprofit. The governor came out to see us, spoke about us for, for freaking 20 minutes. We have two teams. We're working on team three. We're doing ocean conservation, rebuilding coral reefs, and uh, saving, protecting, and giving triage to turtles. There's a whole host of missions ahead. And we're saving the freaking world, and we're saving our freaking veterans one coral reef at a time, brother. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm doing with Force Blue. And it really had to do with getting back to the same things that made us love being in the army or the marine corps and in the service isn't that crazy though that it's like the answer is so simple it is simple when you find that it's so it's it is so, simple so doesn't simple. mean easy nope. you have to start healing and getting mm -hmm. serious with yourself yeah. but it is possible and yeah. it's and look we're examples to that for our community people look at us you know you're a uh, freaking world famous writer now i mean you, you missed the exit hey everybody you missed the exit to come get me because he's also writing lyrics for music i wasn't doing it on, i was driving uh, on, to <laughs> on, on top of books and and you ghostwrite for a whole mm -hmm. slew of people brother i'm just mm -hmm. so proud so proud that you got to meet scott husing major yeah. scott husing because he loves your stuff too uh, uh it's it's rad how this veteran community now art community entrepreneur community we're all supporting each other yeah that's the thing dude but like i just wanted to like drill down on that point but i keep telling people all the time it's this the things that we are enjoying the, the reasons the reasons that we joined the military in the first place like i was saying i think those are things that we are intrinsically drawn to so once just when we leave the military doesn't mean that our dna has stopped wanting those things Not we still all. need it Not we still all. need the team we still need the outdoors we still need a mission um and look a lot of people leave the military 23 24 25 years old don't it's like denying yourself oxygen yes. for the rest of your life yes i now seek out and are part of communities that sustain me in that way the sornex community the family and strength brandon lily bert soren um Woodski and uh, Ingrid, and of course Brady Tatonka, my sniper brother. We do everything and and anything we can to get together as many times as possible. And it's wrapped around the barbell, or hunting, or hiking, and then food and family. Yeah. And look how we're all rising. It's mm -hmm. awesome, fantastic. Yeah, dude, I think exactly the same way. And one of the reasons I do like doing the podcast is because. And I, I do it in person like this is because it's a totally different thing to yes. to doing it over the phone. You know, yes. we're, we're disconnected enough from, you know, people. I appreciate and, the and, effort, and, brother. And, and culture. And, yeah, okay, well, the other side of the world just for you, baby. <laughs> Thanks, baby. Um, but yeah, we're, di we're disconnected enough from people people anyway. But you know what's funny? I mean, I really appreciate people doing this. But like, while I've been in the States in the last few weeks, I haven't had my phone out of my pocket that much because yeah. I've been connecting with people. You're so engaged. Which is great. But then I get messages from people back home like, are you okay? Yes. Because and I, I love them for it because they know in the past it wasn't because I was sitting down 
having conversations with people it's because i was in that hotel room yes for three you know yes. for three or four days you know what some people have reached out recently i've been going through a little bit of a hard time but and i got through it but now I, i've got a woman in my life jade and and she helped me through i was i got sick and really really down um because i'm still so connected to my physical activity and athletics mm. because that's how i make a living still and i was feeling down um, and then we all had a great birthday for her with you um and my marine corps brother's name oh, ryan, ryan yeah. and then ian ian asbury my f- spirit brother who's helped me through a lot too he's a musician and and uh works for uh human rights and study with the Dalai Lama, just the best. And we all, I think we were there for three or four hours, weren't we, bro? We shut that place down. We did. And we had so <laughs> much fun. Everybody was gone, yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah. it, isn't it? It's yeah. family, it's community, and, and mm-hmm. speaking on things of the heart. And yeah. uh, that's healing. No, it, and it's it's great, bro. But it's, but it's, again, going back to what you said earlier, you know, when you first joined, or, or even when you were growing up, talking just wasn't a thing. It just no. wasn't done. It no, just, it wasn't. It was, a, it, was a, it was a fate worse than death. Yes, to, to show ha- your emotions. Yeah, like that was, and that's why, unfortunately for some people, it has become, death has become yes. what they choose otherwise. Yes. And I never blame anybody for it, because I can see why I understand. it happens, you know. I understand why. Um, my buddy, our buddy, Nate mm. Boyer, says... Mm. You know, our brothers and sisters succumb to suicide, mm-hmm. meaning suicide's a disease, uh, and there's symptoms that are happening, mm-hmm. and then it in, gets infected, and then that's when yeah. it happens. We have to, uh, as a community, come together and recognize the symptoms first and intervene, yeah. because it's absolutely treatable. It is, 100%. You know what's crazy, dude, as well? Is that like, you know, when I read back on the book, and I'm sure you do when you reflect back on those memories, I, when I read back on the book now, I honestly like because I had to re-edit it recently because okay. the US version plug you can find it now on Amazon. Oh, I see. Um, I, when, oh, I look, when I look back on it, dude, I was like, did, I, I didn't feel like this, did I? But I obviously did because I wrote yeah. it at the time. But I'm like, wow. nah, I didn't feel like this. So I wrote. I, I drove up to uh, Malibu on um, uh, on uh, Wednesday with a couple of friends of mine. Um, you know, and I used to stay in Malibu a lot. Sure. And Beautiful. one of the things I wrote about in the book was that like when I I'd be driving down PCH and I had a soft top car and I'd be thinking. Oh, if I just roll this car now, everyone would just think it was an accident, and I could just take that easy route out, bro. What I used, used to see. I used to also because I always would do a lot of swimming yeah. out in the in the big ocean. You could just keep swimming. And I would just keep swimming, yeah. and then eventually no go down, and and people would just think, oh, he's you know what I mean. I I was there too, bro. Yeah, I was. I, I was thinking that, and I drove it the other day, and I thought. God, did I really used to think that? Yeah. Because I like driving there the other day. And I was like, like, this is amazing. I was like, what a beautiful day. Yeah. Yeah. And then I look back because yeah. I thought, it, yes, I see some of my posts like Facebook. And then I, and then I have conversations with people I don't even remember because I was so messed up. And I was there. It was, I think there's, there's like months and years that I don't really remember. Well, dude, that was, that was the other weird thing is because we were like, so I, I went to this, you know, I didn't go in the apartment. I didn't think the, the owners would like that. Gotcha. And there's a lot of guns in America. So I, yes. st- I stayed out the apartment. Yeah. But I went there and I thought, God, I really actually don't remember that much of that couple of year period. And I think I it's see. because it was so painful in a way. Yeah, sure. My kind of mind's blocked it out. Sure. But then I just thought, one of the things I always say to people, because when they're like, though, I know it's not going to, they, they feel like it's not going to get better. I'm like, 
dudes, it's like, you just have to trust me. Yes. You just have to trust me. It's like, do you trust me? It's like, because I don't think you would have asked for my opinion if you didn't trust me. That's right. So if you do trust me, trust me when I say, like, you are not going to believe how different it's going to be. We're not talking about incremental changes. Yeah. It's going to be like you've been given basically a whole new brain. Yes. Once you've, once you've come out. And the the changes can be quick. They can. Like, what, like, once it happens, dude, like, yes. I I think usually people slide into depression and stuff quite slowly, but you you can come out fucking right. Yes, you can with a couple of tools and community. Ohio, you know, we always speak on it. Physical fitness is mm-hmm. mental fitness. Yeah. It creates uh, positive chemicals in the brain that defeat uh, malaise and, and depression. And then all of us have injuries and hurts from service. But when you're f- being physically fit and you're, getting, and you're breathing hard, uh, red blood cells are going to tissues. Pain's better. Mm-hmm. Sleep's better. Yeah. Therefore, when sleep is better... Um, Decision making and and uh, being a uh, critical thinker is better. Everything gets better with a few tools. And probably another thing that's really good to mention is is when a brother or sister can cross the threshold to recognize that the most warrior and badass shit they can do is ask for help mm-hmm. if they're hurting, even just to a brother or sister. Yeah. When they realize that that is a badge of courage. Yeah. And then they see that as soon as even in the act of asking for help or saying, I need a hand, I need to talk to somebody, automatically things start opening up in the chest. Then you start talking and it starts coming off of you. But, you know, we internalize so much because we were used to sucking up so much pain. Um, We've got to change that narrative. Yeah. Bro, I was just thinking about something you're saying about the the physical activity there. So you think about, let's say someone say served five years. Yes. They've done PT every day, maybe twice. Yeah. They've done some hardcore physical things. Yes. Their bodies, they they get used to being pushed past the pain threshold. Yes. They also get used to the release of endorphins from exercise. Totally. Even if, right, like let's say they just left the military, they had no PTSD, anything like that. Just that drop from having that physical oh, totally. high, the, the that physiological gonna, yeah, change. that will fuck you up. Of course, bro. It would be, of course, brother. It'd be like uh, you always having your freaking uh, coffee, uh, three coffees a day, mm. and a and a dip, and then th- uh, for ten years or five years, and now nothing. You'd be like, whoa, yeah. and, and and then think about our self esteem. As soon as we start gaining weight, yeah, or getting skinny. We're like, fuck, I used to be somebody badass and now I'm drinking a lot at night because I can't sleep and, and I'm getting a stomach. Fuck. I do. I, I tell you what, I drank a few fucking big ass margaritas on Wednesday. Okay. And with all that sugar, I couldn't sleep. I hear you. And I'd been, t- I'd, I'd fucking trained twice that day. Yeah, and I couldn't, I couldn't, sugar. and I couldn't I'm sleep because the sugar and stuff. Like drinking, drinking to go to sleep is a fucking terrible idea. It is. It doesn't last very long. It'll work yeah. at first and then it's a, yeah. a downward spiral. It's a downward spiral for sleep and then it wrecks everything else you do during the day. Um, other coping mechanisms and really uh, how to, get back to a warrior way of life, discipline, physical mm-hmm. discipline, mental discipline, mindfulness about how we engage p- with people. Also, some of us, especially of us freaking war fighters, we got hot heads. We don't mean to. It's just who we are now and probably always will be. Or not even, even we may not be super hot-headed, but if we have to cross the line, somebody's going to fucking die. Mm. So now I notice I keep myself out of bars. I only go to restaurants. Mm-hmm. Anytime there's alcohol, good-looking women, and some and some dudes around, there's going to be a problem because yeah. uh, because of the way behavior, uh, regular folks' behavior, mm-hmm. to some of us, if I feel affronted, my honor, um, 
and I've had, and I'm in a bar, and some guy's chick is checking me out, and then he bows up to me, and I'm drinking, and I'm drunk, and I feel threatened, even psychologically or, or uh, in some kind of uh, honor way. It might as well be like he's pulling a knife or a gun on me, yep. and I will attack him, and I will fuck him up um, bad. Yeah, And that's what it, it used to happen. Now I just keep myself out of those situations. Now I recognize I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change in that environment. I can change mm -hmm. in a less stressful environment. I can have mm -hmm. reflection and I can step back and keep some discernment in a less stressful environment. Uh, these little skills that come from also community. Uh, you know, so I don't know if you felt like this too, bro, but some of my brothers were part of the problem. Oh, yeah. We I mean, go out and we, wreck we house. We were part of the problem. Yeah, we. I was part of yeah. the problem. Exactly. Well said. Uh, yeah. We we were. I'm, dude, I've I've done it all the time. Like so tonight, I'm gonna go shout out Big Helens in San Clemente. There's yeah. always a bunch of Marines in there. Sure. Just by some Cam, Cam San Mateo. There's been in the past few years ago where I would go in there and um, let's say I, I was pretty lit and there's some like Okinawa warriors in there yeah. who are 20 year old guys never deployed yeah. and then they'd start like fucking puffing their chest yeah. out because I was a warrior yeah, who'd been at war I'd be like I gotta put I'm this motherfucker in his place that's right now that's I right. go in there and I go whoa you've been in Okinawa that's awesome bro that's thanks right. for your service yes. and I have a little laugh on the inside good good but, uh, and then I go hey can I buy you a can, shot can I get you a shot hey yeah. bro how's and it I'm going like, oh, you know, I you respect know, you immensely yeah but like I know, you know what like um, it's kind of nice doing that now because now I recognize, I recognize that I was that 20 year old I fucking dickhead I was too I imagine you know? I imagine I was hard to deal with too yeah. but what I will do though is that like Alfredo's which is like the you know it's like the burrito place at the end okay. of the night I won't go there I'll door dash or something instead <laughs> yeah, because, right? because that's where the guys the guys who haven't found a chick that's where they totally. are totally it's 3 in the morning pissed. everybody's pissed yeah. and they'll be like what unit were you with bro yeah, yeah, or are yeah. you fucking and civilian then, and then if they even look at mm. you sideways you mm. might pop off hey who the yeah. fuck are you yeah. and then it's on yeah, and there's that part of my ego that wants to go who am I fucking how many toes yes, you right, do you little fuck but like so I just so I just avoid it just don't bro I hear you but I still I'll go to the bars and stuff but yeah Dude, my fucking, you know, my speed is a lot more. Like, yes. so I, I go to, like, I'm fucking fortunate. I've got, you know, I've got a lot of friends who are very, you know, successful in music, and I'll go yes. to their shows. And um, I like having the fact they have a backstage pass and stuff, and it's not so much because you don't want to be in the crowd, because I will go in the crowd. It's knowing that there's the escape valve of, get, of getting away from the mayhem if you want. Absolutely. Fight, if you want, if someone keeps pushing in. Because yes. sometimes it'll be you're dancing, like, you've got a friend with you. It might just be a friend, not even a girlfriend, just a friend. Yes. And some guy will keep nudging I you in the back. See, I can't handle and that. And that's when I got to bail. I go, uh, I, I go right. Time to go to the green room. Time to time totally. To go to I can't handle those things still, brother. I'm still so sensitive and raw. I I'm, can't handle any physical confrontation. I don't like people. We love to hug each other. I love you. Good can't. Hug. We're always like this. <laughs> but if there's a tad of disrespect or violence. Yeah. Bro, I can't handle it. I'm still, there's still a piece of me that's that recon team leader that I will not be um, dominated yeah. in any capacity. And I know it's not logical. So uh, that uh, oftentimes I have my bro, Paul, Paul Wayman is my security. And 
and now I hang out with these successful people when there's public events, and I make sure I'm protected away because that's the only way I can enjoy being around a bunch of people, especially mm-hmm. if it's a lot of young men that are drinking and there's young women. You know how stupid people yeah. act. And it's not saying we're well because what we're we're recognizing the fact that we were that person. Yes, and yes. that and therefore that's why we can predict the behavior because that's how care we of them, I'm taking care of me yeah. by staying out of it. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think that's 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 cool, dude. I th- I think as well though, it, it a lot of it has a it's. If you are in a really good place in your life, you know when you're having one of those stretches of a couple of weeks where yeah. everything is going well, you're getting job totally. offers coming I'm, in. I'm going through getting, that right now, bro. Like you get your, and we hit these runs of form where we get those. Dude, someone could come up to me in a bar and spit in my face and I'll laugh. Yes. But then if I'm having a bad couple of weeks. Someone's I, going to the hospital. Yeah, it could, it could just be that. And it's knowing that as well. I, I agree. Like, knowing our limitations are more important than knowing our capabilities. We, it that. really is. It's more, much more important. Um, yeah, brother. Yeah, I'm with you, brother. I mean, it's it's spiraling higher we're gonna with go, all We're going to go, fuck it. We'll say this now. We'll go to Moon Shadows now, and it'll be like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rudy and Gaz get... Well, you know, Rudy got, and Gaz throw someone off balcony. Yeah, ah, <laughs> yeah you'll see us in the paper. see us on the little news uh, app on your phone. No, I, uh, I hope it's... Uh, you know, it's Valentine's Day, too, so I'm going to see Jade later. I got my buddy Jeff. Oh, fuck. We're going on Valentine's Day? Yeah, it's I Valentine's- didn't even realize. Yes. He snuck in on me like that. Uh, 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 see, Jeff that shows how sad my life is, dude. I didn't it's even okay. know it's Valentine's Day. No, it's great, brother. You got, lo- you got self-love, most important. <laughs> Jeff Carrizales, who's my medic, or excuse me, my mechanic in Generation Kill, uh, he's going to hang out tonight, too. God, he's so wonderful. He's a comedian. He's an actor. He, he works. Uh, he does some. Tra- he trains really hard at the actor's studio. Amazing, man. Uh, we're just going to get all the family together and enjoy ourselves. Yeah. And we might be going to Venice now, brother, so it's a little closer. Are we going to Venice? Yeah, a little week? closer. Oh, we works. don't have to go up uh, so far. But uh, yeah, I'll be linking up with Jonah Lotan, my man Yair, and uh, Manchaka, and a couple others. Maybe John Huertas. Yeah, I bet uh, text Paul and tell him. Okay, yeah, brother. Yeah, let me check my phone right quick. <laughs> all right, so something that Ryan uh, was telling me, you told him at dinner the other night, I wanted to di- uh, dive in on him. He t- started telling me that you once got buried alive, and just hearing the story gave me a fucking panic attack as I was driving yes. the car. So let's hear about it, man. Well, I'm doing this freaking heavy duty show for a big network, and uh, I'm not even sure if I can say the name. It's so freaking rad. And I find out this week if it goes to season. Wow, and I know if it goes to season, we're going to have five more because the subject matter is so uh, timely. And of course, I'm the leader and the battlefield commander for this this show. That's a mixture of John Rambo and David Bowie, and poltergeist. There's supernatural things to spiritual things, and um, to connect to the other side. This place, this haunting place, where there's there's a bloodshed, military bloodshed, and haunting reported by people. I get dropped to target with a bag over my head, seer style. And I have to survive and figure out through navigation and lay of the land and the stars where I'm at, have an idea, and then go into, into ritual, uh, Native American ritual and, and, uh, and primitive and primal movement. Also drawing upon all my time with uh, Shaolin and studying Buddhism and practicing Buddhism and Tibetan Buddhism as well. Uh, and our experience in the Middle East where cultures first started Sumer 
I've been in Mongolia, my God, brother. I was in Mongolia fighting the Mongolians, wrestling them and training. They're big on wrestling. Oh, right? they are. They're yeah. massive. In incredible. So I've been forever. I've been in pursuit of warrior manhood since I was a little boy, but in a way that was spiritually engaged. Mm. So uh, my process after purifying myself, purifying myself for a few days, no food in the land uh, and this area where there's been sightings of ghosts to connect to the other side and the ghosts, do ritual and purification, sage and prayers. And I dug a grave and I buried myself alive <laughs> in the motherfucking desert. It was 25 degrees. Buried. Wait, know, that's, that's Fahrenheit, right? Yes. So that's cold. Yes. <laughs> that's fucking cold. Yes, 25 degrees. And uh, I was using heavy duty Tibetan Buddhism from the belly chest and then all out so belly. what you mean with you like a straw or something through a snorkel. snorkel got a snorkel bro and I'm only in my silkies from Sunga Life Jeff Gum, my seal brother get some Jeff I love you dog <laughs> um, and I'm under the ground for four hours five hours Jesus. in a trance I don't even feel my body anymore and now I can see through the dirt because I'm spiritually out of my body and this entity this ghost confronted me now I've done lots of dream time work Oniro not work Carlos Castaneda um, deep vision work through uh, meditation and deprivation also I've recently uh, used DMT medicine mm -hmm. and gone on other spiritual journeys soon I'll be going down to the jungle South America with Roger Sparks and Will Hinkson and some other warriors from Force Blue and doing ayahuasca for a week for more journeying to help release things. This is medicine and this is journeying. This uh, These are, it's a sojourn. There's n there's nothing about getting fucking high here, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of DMT. Dude. Yes, I'm, it's no like, fucking joke. As, as someone that's done his fair share of drugs, it's, yes. it's, yeah, sure, it's a drug, but it's the same way. It's like comparing... It's like comparing, like, fucking, um, I don't know, I can't even think. Actually, it's not like comparing it's not anything, like anything. there's nothing to compare to. I hear you. But it's not about, it's not like you smoke weed, you get giggly. It's not like you do coke and you tell people about your business plans. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's not like that at all. It's just like, Love it's you. literally like fucking, that someone has opened up this part yeah. of your brain. Universal portal. Even, yeah, you've yeah. never even knew was existing. Yeah. Well, you, but you did. You did know. But you did know. It's just in a did. way that's so... Um, light speed yeah. whoa yeah. right well i'm able to do some of that on my own mm -hmm. with no with no nothing mm -hmm. from outside but instead going inside so this breathing put me in a state in a in a ph state and then a mental state then my spirit started rising and the cold i believe the cold's part of it i've been doing lots of ice baths work with a guy troy casey and and, and doing tai chi meditation and then men's work also i did man tribe work um with Alexander Hill. This was unlike my other spirit journeys that I've been on because I felt a malevolent force. Right. And this ghost I could see was thinking about killing me. And I had no weapons and no tools. I was paralyzed. It's very interesting because I was in this domain in which I was completely a guest and I was a completely a foreigner too. I took a lot out of this. After I freaking claw my way out of there, my boy Chase Millsap sticks a freaking 
thermometer in my mouth to check my temperature. It's 89 degrees. I'm freaking 10 degrees lower. I'm in hypothermia. My mind, yet I feel hot on fire. I start my fire. I get my survival movements going on. I have my bivouac set up. And then immediately I go into drawing and painting my vision. I, that's all I will say. This thing, uh, you all will hear about it very soon. I will find out in the next week. And uh, and I'm very proud to be working with some wonderful people from um, from Paramount and from Dr. Phil's people. I, and, of course, we are the mighty. Chase Millsap, Marine Corps officer, Green Beret officer. Um, we've got an amazing team, but it's a spiritual Knights of the Round Table. I, I create a spiritual battle plan when I go mm. do these missions. And we're all getting truly deep and direct with our creator to prepare for this because the the, the spirit world is nothing to mess around with. Hey, okay, here's the thing, bro, right? We come from the most macho communities on the planet. And it's very hard for us to, we were talking about this with one of my uh, last guests, Hugh Keir. And we uh -huh. were talking about, we're saying like, you know, this podcast and stuff, we're putting these ideas across to people who are probably some of the more resistant people on the planet to these ideas. But, so I, I say this to people, nobody's doubting that PTSD and uh, loss of purpose and all these other things are something that affects veterans. I'm like, if that is not a spiritual thing, yeah. then what is it? Because yes, it is, it's spiritual. So we have to like, if the world was fucking black and white, then it wouldn't matter what job you did. It wouldn't matter what, uh, you know, but, it, uh, but it, it is more than that. And we can see that in our own community. And that's why I'm really kind of like, dude, if you had told me fucking 10 years, five years ago, that I would be going like, oh yeah, because yeah, we sort of go, yeah, I believe you. If you had told me that five I years ago, you. I would have said, fuck off. Yeah. Full of shit. Wait, no, but you, I know. And no, I know people, true. some people listening to this now are like, but, and then again, the DMT experience. Brother, right? Like, well, there's there's universes like, out there that we have only just begun to scratch yeah. the surface. And I think it's going to be critical for us to mm -hmm. heal, yeah. to reach into those other spaces for reflection. Mm -hmm. uh, that's my whole purpose for this, this mission, this, uh, this program is to clean the blood and to release souls home in the same way I'm cleaning the blood off of me and bringing some of my soul back from Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. That, and, and to show our brothers and sisters it's possible and that you got a spirit warrior out there that's doing the good work for all of us. And strong, and I'm strong because of all of you supporting me. Well, the, but think, again, think about this. In, in the Marines, right, you, you, it's not a Marine that doesn't know who John Barzalone is, That's right? That's right, freaking World War II, like, brother. My, my, you know, my regiment, my regiment, you know, we have the Rorks Drift, you know, yes. the zoo. So, Rockin'. so, okay, so when we're drawing on the, our ancestors, our, our, our totally. regiment ancestors, that's what we're doing. It it's is, the same it's thing. primal, primitive, ancient village in a war, um, warrior clan mm -hmm. culture. Yeah. We are drawing upon the spirits and the power of those warriors before us and the ideals that they fought for. If that's not magical, if that's not spiritual, if that's not beyond the veil, then what is? Yeah. And you tell me that you can't watch something like, what when you watch something like The Pacific, which is another wow. great HBO show, or you watch A Bridge Too Far, or any yes, of these movies, yes. it, it, you, you're, you're not just going, oh, cool explosions. There's something oh. inside you, you shiver, there's shivers, you shiver, and you because you know these men were real, and you know that their spirit lives on through the spirit of their regiments. Yes, brother. That's, brother, I can't that, agree with you that's more. That's spiritual. The this word is, fucking spirit. This is Spartan. This is Comanche. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, this is Shaolin Temple. 
this, that's all well, we have actually energy. our logo we have that helmet as the fucking as reason because everybody looks at that and you it's beautiful logo. and you and you knew you know that that is a symbol of a warrior. Those warriors, we never met any of them. They're fucking no. three thousand years ago. And still but we connect to them. Yes, they're still in our veins, yeah. in their DNA. And look how we're searching for the same homecoming that they were. And we are drawing upon our community and our war experience to now find inner peace. Mm-hmm. And you know what, dude? Here's one of the things I always tell people: is you got to inner, channel your inner samurai, right? Yeah, well so, said. Poetry, right? You don't have to do necessarily poetry, but I think one of the things is again, it's something that it's when you you get in the military or the military as it was. I know things are changing. It was very much it's this macho thing of you don't you don't do you don't sing songs, you don't write fucking poetry, you don't do any of this. These are all outlets now that have been proven to be this so good for your mental health. Yes, spiritual, mental health, emotional health. You know, we're so lucky in recon because we're so small. Mm. Everybody because our uh, we're a bit more intelligent, higher GT, higher train, draws from a real special type of guy that is already thinking outside the box. We had guys playing guitar, mm. painters, I was a painter, um, you musicians. Did this while you were- yeah, in the Marine Corps. And how about this? Mm. We took our art, we mostly did our art and put it into our craft. How many of my guys had sewing machines? How many of my guys crafted gear? We were constantly mm-hmm. creating and thinking mm-hmm. and uh, and I was always drawing insignias and, and illustrations for the unit. Uh, the other guy, uh, uh, Johnny Knospler and, and uh, Alex Neal, were creating new webbing. Uh, I mean, we were always creative. Well, like, and so much of that stuff has come from that. All these innovations in gear yes. have come from guys who yes, have they made their creativity. own. And now that, we, now that we're in the, the everyday battlefield of civilian life, um, it's even more important to stay creative. Mm-hmm. And... And you're exactly right. Creative with music and the arts, with 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 nature and community, bro. It just it, it changes lives, it heals lives, and it it creates a a brighter purpose for all of us. I mean, look where we're at, brother. We're freaking living a dream. You come from tough background overseas. You get to come. You're in L.A. You're worldwide. You're doing art. You've got podcasts, you write. I'm acting and teaching and speaking. I get to travel. Uh, I have people that are interested and want to know more about my background. And I, mm-hmm. and I am able to share something that maybe illuminates to an individual yeah. so that they can live a better well, life. This is beauty, brother. Yeah, We're living I, for beauty. As far as background, dude, I had a soft background and then a self-imposed <laughs> tough one. You, chose, you know, and, you then, and, it's, and that's what I was saying before about how people have these these di- like different like you know so when we went to dinner with ian the other day so ian from so anybody listening from the uk i'm from wrexham ian was from birkenhead and it just blew my mind that we both ended up at the same dinner in hollywood yeah. on the other side yeah, of the fucking brother. world yeah brother. and i was like fuck it's but it, it's these things these things intertwine and like the guys that i'm staying with down in san clemente you know we mentioned moon shadows earlier i just like that you know that that's my extended t- kind of friend network yeah, now absolutely. a lot of them and i met them in because i just i happened to start talking to a fucking i started because i noticed his haircut his marine haircut sure. i started talking to him in a bar in on the other side of the world and now these are my bro- they're my brothers oh, I love not it. friends are, are brothers those bro- our brothers that you brought me yeah to, yeah to, to those, those, those guys yeah because yes. i met because i met one of them in moon shadows yeah oh they're you the know? best bro we had the best fourth of july and that was my four, first fourth of july i had heath i had jade i think paul uh, scott uh, came uh, out the, the big part uh, the Scottish lad the para yes yeah. uh, oh and uh, Kenny oh. wild ass Kenny 
That's yeah. the first time I saw fireworks in a long time, and I enjoyed yeah. it because we were all together. It was fucking. It sick. was amazing. It was sick. I loved it, dude. I, I I've walked great marines, last great officers. I love those bros. A lot yeah. of recon dudes. The the last couple of years, we've watched the um, fireworks from there. That's I want to try and do that every year. And I'll oh, be on bro, that balcony. I'm in. Like I'm yeah, in. We'll sick. be there. We'll be there. We're fucking. I I it's. Because the thing is about, I remember I went to Nate's charity, which is not far from here, you know, MVP. I went there yes, once before. Boyer. I just did that movie with Boyer. Oh, in, actually, in let's, let's talk, talk about that, actually. Well, I, I can't tell you the name yet, yeah. but it's spiritual. It's a ghost story. It's a whodunit. It's got elements of, um, of true detective. Nice. And, and, uh, and it's, it's a cop show. It's a relationship show. And I get to play the Native American protector over generations. So I had to cut my hair and shave to play the, the younger back Solomon. Over. You, you yeah, the, it's going back. back. Uh, man, my, my protein synth synthesis is off the chain. <laughs> uh, yeah, hair and nails. I swear, like, so, okay, my hairdresser told me this is a myth, but I think she's lying because out here I need to get a haircut, like, every week to keep this fucking on top yeah, of this Yeah, it looks great. Nice, nice, bro. You look pretty sharp at the moment. So. But, um, yes, yeah, so it's... it's um, this kind of like this creative culture that's coming out of the yes. like our, Nate Boyer is a great example of that. Nate Nate's Nate's a robot. Yes, he, he, he goes sleep. hard, brother. I love it. Doesn't sleep. He's always got some fun. You know, I was at Trinidad Jeans with Trinidad Garcia, Marine Corps. Oh yeah, Corps. talk talk about yes, Trinidad. Yes, I was just at the biggest symposium and 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 trade show of denim, and we were the rock stars. Trinidad Jeans started by Trinidad Garcia, Marine Corps. You know, it's so wild. He brought me out there, and he told in front of everyone, he says. My reason to join the Marine Corps is because I saw Rudy on Generation Kill, and he yeah. inspired me. And now Rudy is one of my models, and now we're doing fashion together. I'm working on designing things with him. Another brother, um, Randy Couture, was there. Army oh, yeah. dog. Nate Boyer, also partner and working. Uh, Nate Boyer's got his own signature gene with Trinidad. We had Jackie, uh, uh, bro Jack, out there too, Navy vet. It's just so amazing. Again, fashion, creativity, uh, writing, film, music. We're moving forward in, in a way that brings beauty and light to lives. We are, we, we're part, we are becoming the light in other people's lives. How freaking rad is that, is that com when we look back and when we were in such a dark place? Look where we're at now and celebrate that. And that's the thing I want anyone listening to take away is you are in a dark place. We're not talking about getting back to just getting by. Yeah, it's like you can absolutely thrive off the yes, back of can. it. In fact, I think to be honest, having a fucking shit period of your life is probably one of the best indications that you will have a great battle. There's the going to be a reset because if you're in, if if you're comfortable in your life, um, in any way, shape, or form, then you never really have the impetus to make big changes, and you'll probably just coast through your life. Whereas if yeah. you've got if you have something goes bad, you have a choice to either give into it or to fight back against yes. it. And if you fight back, you're not then going to allow yourself to go back to the place of comfort. You're gonna no. you're gonna strive. You will want, strive. You're gonna need to know that, you know you you're gonna need to know that what you're doing is because you know if if you've gone through a bad period in your life and you know how close you were to death. Yes. Then once you realize that how finite your life is and how short your life is, you're not going to be comfortable just. Do like fucking punching in and doing the bare minimum in your no. life and having the bare minimum of your relationships. No, and no. You're gonna need more. We spiral higher and we thrive um, through through dreaming and ambition. It's funny. I'm not material at all. I'm gifted in, in gifted riches in so many ways. But it's not about the material. But my ambition is to save the damn planet. My ambition is to save myself through service. 
helping my other brothers and sisters. I've had people help me along the way, and I realize why I am successful is because of people like Rick Elder and Beyond Clothing, because of Bert and his whole family at Sornix, because of my right-hand man, Paul Wyman, because of my little brothers, Michael and Caesar, because of Cable Gibbs, my freaking stunt, uh, stunt driver, actor, supermodel, volleyball player, and best buddy, because of my mentor, Ian Asbury, because of my woman, Jade Strutt. Because of this, I have the strength to sometimes, instead of having a bad day, I just have a bad moment. Mm-hmm. And boom, I bounce back and go forward and catapult forward and catapult forward. Uh, it's rad, brother. I believe and I see and I witness this every day. And that's what gets me through. That's what, that's what keeps me fired up. And like I said, if I have a bad moment, it's not going to be a bad day. Yeah. It's just a bad moment. And you know what, dude? It ties into what we were saying earlier about the Pogues and the fuel in the jets and all that stuff. Yes. We didn't do what we did overseas on our Alone. own. Alone. No, no, not at all. And you can't do, you can't do what you're doing in your civilian life on your own. No. And, like, and this is the fact as well. Like, as much as we're both proud to be veterans, you are, we're civilians now. We're we are. In, we're we're in civili- citizens. Yeah, we're in civilian life. This is civilian life. And you need a team around you. The same. You Gang can't do it. Day, I find I found looking back when I was most unhappy and struggling the most is when I had nobody. Yeah. But I was still thinking I can handle it all on my own. But now we're wiser, and we understand that there's we're stronger and more effective with our team, and 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 our team is only getting more pure, more refined, and uh, and we're all succeeding together, which feels fantastic. It does. Uh, mate, I want to finish on that because that's Thank a beautiful you. point. Um, where can people find you uh, on sure. the internet? Sure. Uh, you can uh, look up Rudy Reyes. Yeah, the interwebs. Uh, just look up Rudy Reyes. You can Google Rudy Reyes or Recon Marine. Um, you can find me on uh, RudyReyes.com. You can check out what I'm doing, uh, Saving Veterans One Coral Reef at a Time with Force Blue, ForceBlueTeam.org. Um, my Instagram is RealRudyReyes. I'm pretty easy to find. And check out my work. See what I'm doing. Get involved. I do fitness work as well. Always teaching and training. Doing public speaking. Really, like we say in recon, a jack of all trades, master of none. Because there's no such thing as a badass. There's only trained and untrained. Well, I have these aspects of my life. They're all united and aligned to my source and to my love of community and family. Um, But they're different flavors of the same creative energy. So check me out. RudyReyes.com, RealRudyReyes at Instagram, or, or at RealRudyReyes on Instagram, and uh, ForceBlueTeam.org. Mate, I love you. Thanks love you, bro. Uh, guys, thanks for tuning in. We will catch you next time. Love you, bye. Yeah. Listen. Shout out Teaser. You told me not to worry, and you wouldn't break my heart You told me you were sorry, yeah, my whole world fell apart You said it's not my fault, and yeah, I've never done you wrong I'm grinding to a halt, now I can see you're moving on I promised I'd get better, and I told you things would change You keep me to the gutter, yeah, I'll never be the same I've gotta let you go, now live your life and spread your wings And yeah, you put on quite a show, and pulled the puppet strings And are you sure that you don't want me? Remember all the pain Or maybe you should thank me, it's your loss and my gain I'm leaving now forever, I won't hang my head in shame, but yeah, you've taken me for granted, and you should feel ashamed. You sold a dream to all of us, a dream that we'd all die for, a reason for us all to live and something we could fight for. I might just help a man up to his feet or hold a new one, but no matter what I do, my hands remembering my rifle, yeah. Life's hard, I know that, still wouldn't change shit. I wouldn't go back, yeah, I wouldn't go back. Feelings I hold back, 
Memories fade, yeah, they go fast Yeah, they go fast Good times to come and go Survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step I guess, yeah, I suppose Good times to come and go Survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step I guess, yeah, I suppose It's time to speak the truth now